This episode is sponsored by UC Santa Cruz. UC Santa Cruz tells its story every other week in its Story Cruise podcast. Listen to conversations about UC Santa Cruz news, research, breakthroughs, people, and events. Find Story Cruise on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. I'm Kara Myberg Guzman. And I'm Stephen Baxter. Welcome to Santa Cruz Local. This is part three of our election series, Vote March 3rd. Today's episode, the District 2 Supervisors Race. If you're a voter in Aptos, the east part of Capitola, Coralitos, Freedom, La Selva Beach, Pajaro Dunes, or the surrounding areas, you'll vote on this race. Stephen, tell us about the candidates. Sure. We've got two candidates, Zach Friend and Becky Steinbrunner. Zach Friend is the incumbent. He's 40. He lives in Seacliff. You might remember him as the former spokesman for Santa Cruz Police. He was first elected to the County Board of Supervisors in 2012. He was re-elected in 2016. Becky Steinbrunner is 64. She's a longtime resident of rural Aptos. She's an activist. Steinbrunner ran an unsuccessful recall effort against Friend back in 2016. This is the second time she's run against him. Stephen, can you remind our listeners about our goal with these candidate interviews? Sure. We detailed our approach in the last episode. We interviewed more than 200 people across the county. That included about 50 people from this District 2. We wanted to hear people's priorities for the upcoming election. Top themes for this district were homelessness, housing, the environment, traffic, and the future of the rail corridor. We came up with a list of questions for the candidates based on what we heard. We're calling that the people's agenda, and we'll get to those questions right after a quick get to know you with the candidates. I interviewed friend at Aptos Village. I asked him what are his top issues. I think the most important issue facing Santa Cruz County is affordable housing, and it's directly connected to challenges in homelessness as well as challenges with transportation. Uh, I think additionally, public safety challenges, we've seen a pretty significant increase on the property-based crime side. And the third issue that I think is important, although it's connected again to the housing side, is transportation and transportation equity. And getting back to you personally, what's a fun fact about you? Do you have any hobbies? Something that people didn't know about you? Uh, Every year on my birthday I go bowling since I was in sixth grade. But I only bowl once a year, so I'm not really that great of a bowl. Well, I don't know. I can bowl a hundred. And I think that that's like the, the number, if you, without the bumpers. And I can do it without the bumpers. So I'm bowling, a, I'm bowling a solid 100 plus every year on my birthday. I interviewed Becky Steinbrunner at our headquarters at Cruz IO in downtown Santa Cruz. I asked her, what are the issues that affect you and makes you want to run for office? Personally, the issues that affect me most are traffic, the uh, conditions of the infrastructure, roadways, uh, water supply is a big concern to me and affects the entire region. And um, what I would do to fix those is um, spend more money <laughs> filling potholes and um, really have more um, public I- input on how Measure D monies are spent and uh, a better public process in terms of government in general. Anything that people don't know about you? Any hobbies that you do? (laughs) Well, um, I rode my bicycle across the United States and mostly back. We did take a train across Canada, but we rode down from the uh, Canadian Rockies back to our home in Aptos. And um, I am a 
beekeeper. I don't have any hives at the moment, but I do enjoy beekeeping. Now for the people's agenda. I asked them both this question. About half of the roughly 50 people we interviewed in your district told us homelessness is a top concern. They see a lack of progress. What is the problem with the way the county has been handling homelessness? What policy would you push forth with new state money for homeless programs? Here's Steinbrunner. That is a very good question (laughs) and one that affects us all. My disappointment in the way that the county has handled the money that they have received is that it hasn't gone to any long-term solution. They've funded shelters, but that doesn't help those people onto a more permanent solution. So I would, um, I would work to get something uh, transitional housing, like tough sheds. I think the city of Oakland had a great idea um, I understand they bulldozed them recently, but I think it was a great idea for quick, uh, relatively cheap, temporary housing for people who need it. And I would segregate, make sort of villages of people um, according to their needs and where they are in their lives. They set up their own communities, their own networks, and those people need to have their own networks when they're in transitional housing. But it would it would be a, 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 a truly transitional thing, not with the idea that it would f- go on forever. Um, the, you, those people would need to meet uh, weekly with someone who could help guide them on either a career path or uh, counseling, or drug rehabilitation, uh, some progress where they feel themselves they're making progress in their own lives at pulling themselves out of a condition that is not the best for their health, for the community, and frankly, for the environment in some cases. So it would be a, a transitional program that would have an ending point with a goal in sight, and that, I think, would help rebuild their self-confidence to take, a, take accountability for their own lives and that they're in control. And that's what's missing, I think, for a lot of those people, and they're in despair, and that leads to drugs. Here's Friend. I asked him the same question. What's wrong with the way the county has been dealing with homelessness and what policies will he push forth? Well, the Public Policy Institute of California said that Santa Cruz County is one of the highest or the highest poverty rate in the state. When I spoke to their researchers to break down the variables, they said the strongest correlated variable was the cost of housing. And when you look at homelessness in California, especially as housing prices have gone up, homelessness has increased. So communities like Alabama or Mississippi which have exceptionally low incomes but very low cost of housing, do not have high homeless issues. And in California, where we have this high cost of living, even with slightly higher incomes, we do. So I think that the, the solution uh, at its most fundamental core deals with having more affordable housing. But secondly, uh, we have opened up a lot of new state uh, funding, um, and our focus has actually been on, on basically three Ps. One of them is the production of new housing, specifically affordable housing and accessory dwelling units that are deed restricted to the preservation for those that are currently in housing before they lose it. We have a lot of expiring affordable housing in the county. They had 25-year covenants on it. That's coming to expiration. Where would those people go? They have no other options. And if we have more people slip into unsheltered homelessness, it's very hard to get them out. And the third thing is just protection of low-income renters 
in general, ensuring uh, the state made a lot of changes in regards to this, but I think locally ensuring that renters also don't fall out um, in non-deed restricted options is very important. I mean, right here where we're sitting, most of the employees in these service industries are working multiple jobs and living in homes with multiple people just to make a go of it while maybe they have, high, they maybe have college debt or whatever it may be. I, I think on the homelessness side, it always comes back to the unaffordability of housing in our community. And for the last 30 years, we've basically said no to any housing. And I think that that fundamentally has to change in order to improve the homeless issues. Second question. Almost everyone we talked to in District 2 listed traffic as a daily problem. What specific projects would you push forth to address traffic? So traffic, I believe, is connected to two things. One of them is actually a good thing, which is that we have a great economy, 3.9% unemployment. When you look at traffic counts uh, on the highway in 2009, 2010, during the, the height of the recession, uh, when you look at them now and you look at them right before the recession, the changes aren't significantly different in 2007 than they are today. Uh, so we know that the economy, when you had 12% unemployment in our county, you had even higher over the hill, that had a huge impact on traffic. But the second thing, and this is a much more policy-related component, is that there's a significant housing jobs imbalance that I think is causing uh, major traffic issues. All the affordable housings in the southern portion of the county, over the last two censuses, you've had uh, thousands of jobs created in the northern portion of the county, and so it shouldn't, it's not difficult to understand then why you have that component. I think you should widen the highway. I think infrastructure needs to improve, but the solution isn't just on the transportation side. I think it's much more on the housing jobs and balance side, where affordable housing needs to be throughout the county, and so too does jobs. There are the two largest employers, for example, the county itself and UCSC. Uh, I've advocated for them uh, having greater number of their workforce work in the South County. Uh, a, because they already live in the South County, and B, for those that don't, the reverse commute could be enough to impact especially the highway during peak commute hours enough to significantly alleviate the issues. But I've been looking at traffic not just as a traffic infrastructure issue or just a highway issue or just a bus issue, but instead looking at it as a jobs housing issue is a different way uh, that I think would actually solve the problem moving long term. Some of, for what it's worth, candidates in the District 1 race have talked about a fast track lane on the highway or rail or more bike lanes or things of that nature. Your thoughts on any of that? Well, I mean, look, everything we do in the county on transportation gets litigated. My, my thought is that you stop the litigation, you might see some actual improvements in transportation. I mean, I, we're getting sued on the EIR for the highway that the majority of voters voted for. They're getting sued on trail segments in the northern section of the county that the majority of voters voted for. Um, so I think without the litigation, maybe you could actually see this happen. So I don't think that's a faster solution, Stephen, at all. I think that if people stop suing, it might be a faster solution. I think that at the same time, though, we have the ability, be it from a telecommute or a jobs component, to say major employers, your employees, are dealing with a significant quality of life issue, a significant environmental issue when they're sitting there idling on the highway, and you can fundamentally shift where it is that they're working or allow for telecommutes. And the reason I know that it doesn't take a major solution, if Pajaro Valley Unified School District is out of session for Easter break, Cabrillo's out of session for Easter break, I can get to downtown from Aptos in under 10 minutes. That is, is that a two percentage point change, a one percentage point change, a three percent? I don't know what the number is, but it's pretty de minimis. So I think that the solution is actually more, I, I'm all for the highway components. I'm just saying that we all know what's going to happen. We start to, as soon as we put a, a shovel in the ground on the next highway widening, I've got 
you know, all these groups on the Upper West Side suing us over, over this kind of issue. So we will have transportation challenges and housing challenges as long as people continue to litigate on this stuff. But I think that from an employer standpoint, we can solve it faster that way. Just to follow on what you were saying about trying to work with employers, uh, what, what have you done over your past turn about that? Well, the first thing I did with the county was bring forward an item to the Board of Supervisors that deals with uh, our facilities and how we use our facilities. And we, uh, one component of that was surveying employees to say, where do you live? Where would you be willing to work? Would you be willing to change that component? And we are in the midst of that study actually right now. I think it's going to show, because we have campuses in Watsonville, that if we expanded those campuses, we could probably have hundreds, if not over a thousand employees that A, don't have to commute like they did before or had a reverse commute. I'm pretty confident that for somebody that has to work over the hill, if they knew that a thousand less cars were gonna be on the highway because an employer just reallocated resources, they'd be pretty happy about that. Had a meeting with uh, some of the administration at UCSC to ask them to consider the same thing. That's the furthest commute anybody could do. It's not just to Santa Cruz, but all the way up the hill. You've got a lot of employees that live in Watsonville, live in Salinas, that uh, could be off of that highway if we had an option for reverse commute. The last component is that I did meet with Apple, Facebook, Netflix, and Google, who all charter buses over the hill, and we have 30,000 cars that commute over the hill for those types of businesses. Google aside, the others said that uh, the lack of broadband infrastructure prevents them from building satellite offices here. So that's been a priority of mine over the last seven years. We've had significant improvements on broadband, both from state funding and otherwise, to build that, that backbone to allow there to be either satellite offices or telecommuting. Because one day a week or two days a week, if some of those employees could stay at home or work at a satellite office, I think that too would have a major impact for the better on traffic. Here's Steinbrenner, same question, Almost everyone we talked to in District 2 listed traffic as a daily problem. What specific projects would you push forth to address traffic? Well, we definitely need another alternative to Highway 1 and the bus. The bus is stuck in traffic like everybody else. I really think the rail corridor, rail trail corridor, is an unused gem. And it is very disappointing to me to see when it was purchased in 2012, 2014, that era, that nothing has moved forward except we spent a lot of money doing study after study after study and nothing has been done. So what I would like to see done is um, put some money into the rail trail corridor, not pull up the tracks because that would be very expensive, not only for just the physical part of it, but it would also um, disturb those very contaminated roadbeds, railroad bed soils. And I just don't want to do that. But I think filling in temporarily the areas between the tracks with either some compacted base rock or some material so that it can be used either by bicyclists, um, electric carts, um, and build a trail off on the side, a very rudimentary trail. It doesn't have to be a, you know, a glamour case of a thing, just something so people can get out and use that corridor and have an option. I would really like to see this county extend the jump bike idea to electric carts, such that people could get one in Watsonville and come up on that rail corridor and be at work and they have covers that go down, they would be protected from the weather, and I think that's something worth doing as a pilot project. I am aware that the RTC is going to do a pilot project next month with the um, 
hydrogen fuel cell train, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I just am happy to see something moving forward that maybe will finally put that corridor to use. Question three. We interviewed more than 200 people. One of their top issues was that they wanted Santa Cruz County to be more of a leader on environmental policy. Some of the things we heard were more bike lanes, more composting programs, and better public transit. What are two environmental policies that you will push to put on the supervisor's agenda this year? Here's Becky Steinbrunner. Well, one of them would be one that I discussed with you earlier, something that could be an electric cart jump bike type thing for the rail trail corridor. I think that would reduce emissions, that would reduce um, traffic congestion, and that could be a big positive thing environmentally. I would actually work to encourage consolidation of Soquel Creek Water District and Santa Cruz City Water District. I think the plan that is currently being pushed forward for uh, tertiary advanced treated water to inject into our groundwater is very, very dangerous. It will take massive amounts of electricity. It could possibly cause irreversible damage and contamination to our aquifer, and we cannot take those risks. So there is plenty of water in this county. If there is the political will between Santa Cruz City and Soquel Creek Water District, and the latter I see as the one that is lagging, I would consolidate them. We should say here that Steinbrunner last year sued the Soquel Creek Water District. The lawsuit basically said that there was not enough environmental review in that project she just mentioned. A judge threw out the case in November, and Steinbrunner has appealed. The project, by the way, would pump purified wastewater from Santa Cruz to a treatment plant in Live Oak. It's then injected underground in mid-county. The idea is to recharge aquifers and guard against seawater intrusion. I asked Zach Friend the same question. What two environmental policies will you push forth in a new term? Seems like something that is so big that it's hard to address, but I want to localize it. It's actually climate change and sea level rise. Because the issues that I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis, Valencia Road falling down because of three atmospheric rivers, uh, damage to sewer line pipes that are located within the coastal zone, are hundreds of millions of dollars worth of infrastructure changes that need to happen within the next decade uh, in order to address these issues we're now starting to deal with. So while it seems big and out of reach, when you see your road fall down and you just think it happened from a storm, it actually happened from storms that are occurring that weren't occurring before in the same capacity. So from an environmental perspective, I think the most important thing the county can do is work with the state. The governor just proposed in his budget significant resiliency bonds for exactly this, but to intake in an astronomical amount of money. I mean, the kind of money we haven't even conceived of before to totally relocate some of our infrastructure, including sewers and water infrastructure, and completely shore up areas that we think are more susceptible to damage, including roads that are lifeline roads like Valencia or Trout Gulch, um, to the tune again of hundreds of millions of dollars, but it has to happen or we're going to have catastrophic failures of essential systems um, that would also have catastrophic environmental damage issues if we don't do it. Next question. One of the most common concerns we heard was housing. Candidates often say they're for affordable housing, but we want to know what that means. What types of specific housing developments would you support and where could they be in Santa Cruz County? Here's Becky Steinbrunner. For housing developments, I actually think there should be more cluster, dense clusters, not a solid line of it, 
but some dense clusters of affordable housing near the rail trail corridor. So people could use that as their way to get around, and that would support in the future more population that would support a, a passenger rail service. I also think that we've really got to work cooperatively with UCSC and make sure that they're housing 100% of their increased enrollment on campus. And I've seen their long-range development plan, and I think it, it does a good job of that. I, I, don't, I really don't want to see that great meadow gone. Um, so as a supervisor, I would try to work with them uh, just as the county supervisor in Yolo County did and this, the mayor of the city of Davis did with UC Davis. They sat down at a table with a mediator. They had a, UC Davis had a new chancellor, so they let the, the UC regents pick the mediator. They sat down at a table and they, they got all the issues on the table. And the mediator helped them weed through it. What is the biggest one? It was housing and infrastructure. So they were able to, and I talked with the mayor of Davis, I know it was not an easy process, but they were able to come to an agreement that the, the university would house 100% of their increased enrollment and they gave the city of Davis $2.3 million for infrastructure improvements. That's what we need to do here, not lawyer up. <laughs> <laughs> or hire a new position for $120,000. They just uh, hired this person, Morgan Bostick, to fight it. That's ridiculous. That will get us nowhere to a positive solution. But helping the campus um, build affordable housing for their students would go a long way to taking the pressure off the housing stock here. And I would also work with Cabrillo College to help uh, them come to a method uh, either working a private partner, private public partnership with a developer or a nonprofit to build on campus student housing, just as uh, Columbia Community College has and Feather River Community College has. It's a possibility, and I'm really disappointed that they didn't include it in Measure R. Here's Zach Friend. The question What types of specific housing developments would you support, and where could they be in the county? To answer your question of where they should go, I think that they need to go within the urbanized area. We have a Measure J that needs to be respected. This shouldn't be built in Coralitos or anywhere near agricultural lands. It needs to be built within the urban areas, uh, be it in sections along Soquel or into uh, Live Oak, where we've designated a sustainable Santa Cruz plan for exactly that. Where we're sitting here in the Aptos Village, I think, is one example of it, where you have a mixed-use development that built 69 units. Uh, of which 15% were affordable. I would like to see more just deed-restricted affordable housing in general in the county built, but even having these kinds of units, the smaller non-deed-restricted affordable have been purchased mostly by seniors that were allowed to, that gave them an opportunity to downsize. And now those, those single-family homes opened up for other people to purchase. So that, that cycle needs to be allowed. But it's, it's about saying yes. It's not about litigating against everything which happens on every project we do, by the way, which adds hundreds of thousands of dollars of public costs and private costs to it and delays projects that are essential. It's, it's a playbook that's used a lot on housing. I'm a Ford as long as it's not near me. We, we, had, we heard this in the Capitola Road project that struck me as unassailable. You had a 100% affordable housing project with two health center locations associated with it that 
people were against. And, and every line would start with, I'm not against affordable housing, but it just needs to be located somewhere else. I mean, it's like, I mean, where should it go if I can't build it along a transit corridor where we have uh, a census tract that shows that people need it right in that area? But anyway, I'm going to continue to support those projects. I've voted for those projects over the last seven years and will continue to support those affordable housing projects within this urban core. Last question. We heard in our open newsroom office hours about your opinions on rail trail versus trail only plans. I asked both candidates what they want for the future of the rail corridor. Friend couldn't comment. He lives within 500 feet of the rail line, so the Fair Political Practices Commission requires his recusal. Friend sends an alternate to the Regional Transportation Commission meetings when the rail corridor is discussed. Here's Steinbrunner on the rail corridor. Well, I've read some of the studies. There are so many. (laughs) But the ones that I've read um, say that we don't have the population at this time to support a high-capacity rail. That's not what the state has in mind. And the state, as we know, really is um, increasing what what they are telling and mandating the local jurisdictions to do. The state has a rail plan that includes passenger rail service from Santa Cruz down to Monterey, leaking in with, at the Paro station, the, um, the regular um, Coast Starlight, all of those, the Union Pacific lines over there. So I think that there will be rail passenger rail service at some point, and I support that. I really support rail as an efficient uh, way to move people and cargo. So I think we need to keep the rail there. And um, in terms of paying for it, all public transportation is subsidized, just one way or another. The the roads are, even the roads are subsidized. So um, I support both rail and trail and would not want to get rid of the rail. But I think both can be there. And in areas where it is constricted, I think a viaduct for the the bicyclists and jump bikes and electric carts, whatever would be there, that's a more cost-effective than retaining walls and all of that. That gets very expensive. Stephen. We interviewed 50 voters in District 2. We heard the top concern was housing. What else did you learn about the candidates' stances on housing? Well, Becky Steinbrenner, by her own admission, said that housing was not her top priority. Her priorities were traffic, water, and fixing infrastructure like roads. Zach Friend sees himself as part of a board of supervisors that is more amenable to new housing. And his record supports that. He recently voted in favor of a housing project in Pleasure Point and another one in Live Oak. For me, it's the number one issue. I mean, to me, um, I brought forward an item that eliminated all county fees on accessory dwelling units under 640 square feet, which is a one bedroom in our code. Since we've done it, we've nearly doubled the number of applications for it. So I knew that, uh, that there is a pretty significant Uh, issue associated with those county fees. That is accurate, but keep in mind that last year the county only had about 43 applications for new accessory dwelling units, and only about 25 permits have been issued last year, so the impact's been limited. That could change in 2020 because the state has made it a lot easier to build ADUs. 
In terms of where Becky Steinbrenner is at on housing, some people see her as kind of a crusader for due process in the county. I mean, she speaks at most every Board of Supervisors meeting. She reads all the documents. She's very well versed. I mean, Zach Friend even joked that Becky attends so many meetings that he sees Becky more than he sees his own wife. So <laughs> for other people, they see Becky as an obstructionist of new housing. I mean, she sued the county over the Aptos Village project and she lost that case. Here's what she says. I've been pegged as a NIMBY. I'm really not. <laughs> what I had issue with was the process. It was poor process. All right, Stephen, what other differences are there between Friend and Steinbrunner? Well, they're split on Measure R. That's the Cabrillo College bond measure. That's on the March 3rd ballot. That's a $274 million bond that would mainly fund capital improvements at the college. Zach Friend is for the measure. Becky Steinbrenner is against the measure. And Becky is one of the signers of the ballot argument against Measure R. Another difference between the candidates, inclusionary rates. Inclusionary rates determine the number of affordable housing units that a developer has to build as part of a market rate project. If you've been following our podcast, you've seen this debate play out recently in the city of Santa Cruz. Basically, the question is how much you think the market will bear. If you set it too low, you may not get as many affordable units, but if you set it too high, you may not get any units at all because developers could walk away. Becky Steinbrenner's stance is that the county should raise its inclusionary rate from 15% to 20%. Zach's friend's stance is that the county should leave it at 15%. One thing the candidates are actually aligned on is they both agree that supervisors should not be voting on their own pay as they have been. In this last term, Zach Friend voted with the rest of the board to raise supervisors' pay and give it a 4% increase each year. That's in line with managers in the county. Friend told me that he would peg the supervisor's pay with judges, which is what some other counties do. Becky said that she doesn't believe the supervisor should have voted to raise their pay and that she said she would donate some of her salary as Supervisor Greg Caput does now. Lastly, let's talk about campaign finance. Looking at lists of donors can tell you how much support that candidates are getting. It can also tell you who supports them. Since January of 2019, Zach Friend has raised $14,699. Some of his notable donors include $500 from Ryan Coonerty's campaign committee, Coonerty for Supervisor 2018. He got $500 from that committee. He also got 250 bucks from Santa Cruz City Council member Cynthia Matthews and $500 from former Santa Cruz City Council member Pamela Comstock. On the other hand, Becky Steinbrunner has raised $3,302 since July of 2019. That's the earliest that she's posted filings for her race. Her list includes $962 from anonymous donors. That's it for this episode. If you haven't already, sign up for our newsletter. We update you on what's going on in our local government. It's in your inbox a few times a week, and it's free. Sign up is at santacruzlocal.org. Our journalism is free for everyone in Santa Cruz County. We're supported by our members. 
Thank you to our Guardian Level members, Elizabeth and David Doolin, Patrick Riley, Chris Necklison, and the Kelly family. If you find our work valuable, sign up for a membership. Membership sign-up is at santacruzlocal.org slash membership. Look for our next episode in our election series in the next few days. I'm Kara Myberg guzman And I'm Stephen Baxter. Thanks for listening to Santa Cruz Local.